Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, and I'm on the phone with Brian. And this week, we're going to be talking about the 2023 film, The Blackening, directed by Tim Story and starring Grace Byers, Jermaine Fowler, Melvin Gregg, and Dwayne Perkins. In this film, a group of friends' 10-year reunion to celebrate Juneteenth takes a turn for the worse when they find themselves at the mercy of a killer who's obsessed with board games. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion at the top. We'll talk about the background of the film. Then we'll take a quick break. You'll hear a little bit of music. And then we'll dive back in and jump into the plot, the spoilers, and our review. Brian, we're recording this on June 19th, which is Juneteenth. So happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Um, Hey, thanks a lot, man. Uh, you know, for me personally, Juneteenth's kind of like a relatively new thing I've learned about. Uh, I know like Biden signed it into uh, federal law to make this a holiday like two, three years ago, back in 2021. Um, I'm kind of surprised we didn't learn about this in school growing up, but have you been aware about it for a while? No, I was not aware of Juneteenth until Biden signed it into being a federal holiday. Uh, so yeah, and we should probably explain it for, I'm sure there are Americans who still don't know what it is, and yeah. I would guess we have a decent amount of listeners in other countries too, but it uh, recognizes the emancipation of African Americans from slavery and is the anniversary of enslaved people being proclaimed free in Texas in 1865. This was two and a half years after the famous Emancipation Proclamation from Abraham Lincoln, but... The way the Civil War worked, it was kind of just like the Union Army. That couldn't be enforced all in one like sweeping go. And it was basically like it took the Union Army the longest to get down to Texas. And that is where they that is when they were able to enforce it. And yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for I, I didn't realize all that history till today as well. Uh, that like, oh my god, this was two years after the bill was signed to the emancipa- Emancipation Proclamation. Was that what it was? Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> Emancipation? Emancipation <laughs> Proclamation. Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah. So it was signed two years before, and then, uh, yeah, this is when they get to Glavinson, which is which is wild that uh, it took that long to get out there. And then, uh, yeah, it's not, it sounds like it's been kind of celebrated in Texas for a while, and uh, more recently in the past decade or two has started to come to other states that are recognizing it, and now it's a federal holiday. Yeah, it sounds like early celebrations date back as... To 1866, essentially the the year after it happened. So, right, definitely been around for a while. Um, and it's interesting. I feel like the Emancipation Proclamation. I think of it as something that like happened after the Civil War, but oh yeah, it happened right in the middle of it. So, right. I don't know. American history. I, I'm just not as boned up as I should be on it. Same. Yeah, and this is like a really interesting time of history where, uh, yeah, because then you got, what is it, the 14th Amendment, right? That abolishes slavery. Oh boy, buddy, you're wading into waters we just don't want to tread in because (laughs) of our, (laughs) we just said how horrible we were at American history. Yeah, exactly. I would would love to learn more. Like, I I know people who are like history buffs and like you could like go into chapters on this time of American history. Uh, So many like crazy things going on. And uh, yeah, just, I I feel like this movie was a cool reason to dive back into, deeper into this history, which I I feel like in school we glossed over growing up. so glad it's getting the recognition because what two hundred fifty thousand slaves or something? Uh, this was like the day that they became made aware that like yeah, slavery was banished or abolished. 
You know, it's so funny. I <clears throat> in school, it felt like when we were learning about wars, it was just like battles and armies and where the armies were moved. It's just like, why yeah. do I care? <laughs> I know. I, Some like that whole like Cermak and the Fatah. Were those two like boats that like battled it out in in some waters? Oh, dude, I don't know. History for me is just in one ear and out the other, unfortunately. And I've like read yeah. books on the Civil War as an adult to be like, hey, like I'm gonna go back and fix these holes in my brain and like learn about this and and even so it's just like it doesn't it doesn't stick history is just not the way my brain works for unfortunately yeah yeah i feel like it was wasted on me at a young age like i'm way more like fascinated by it now than i feel like because yeah when you're younger you don't really appreciate yeah now you have context for it and i mean my god it feels like america's been fighting the civil war ever since it started and in a way i mean Right in our in our hearts and minds and spirits, it's it's exactly. like it's still going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like that term's starting to get thrown around uh, more too as we come up on like the next election and stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's it's very interesting. Um, but it, it's cool that you got this movie here coming out the weekend of Juneteenth on this topic. Probably the first horror film that hits on this, to my knowledge. Boy, I gotta believe it's the first horror film that that mentions June Juneteenth or takes place on Juneteenth. Right. Yeah, it's it's funny because you have all those other like holiday horror films like um, there's the Valentine's Day one. What's that? My Bloody Valentine, right? Yep. And uh, April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. This is a, a I never thought of this as holiday horror, but it fits. <laughs> Genre tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, you could push that one into this. Uh, I don't know if they would appreciate that. I'd like the makers falling into like category with those uh, films. I think they would. I mean, this is a horror comedy film. It's not like That's it's uh, taking itself crazy seriously. I mean, it, it's not necessarily making a joke of Juneteenth. I mean, I think horror fans like to have something to do on a holiday yeah. to commemorate it in, in their own way. And yeah. watching this movie could be a, a sure. fun way to do that. There's something interesting about combining holidays with slashers. That seems to be like the most natural combination of like how to celebrate or how to like yeah if you're trying to bring a holiday into horror it's usually a slasher format it's so, so. true yeah there aren't many like holiday <laughs> horror movies that aren't slashers yeah or like supernatural <laughs> yeah like black yeah. christmas halloween friday the 13th april Fool's right. day very true yeah yeah fascinating uh, well, yeah, th- th- this movie similar to those uh, horror comedy, as you mentioned, pretty uh, meta. As we'll talk about, the I, I love the tagline on this film: uh, "We all can't die first, which I-, I think is a nice way to kind of uh, sum up like what this movie is doing, which is kind of like turning tropes that we've all gotten used to in slasher films and, and kind of making uh, fun of them and-, and bringing them to light. So, uh, cool, cool uh, background. Uh, really, I yeah, kind of set up for the film, directed by. Tim Story, who directed Barbershop and Ride Along. Have you seen any of those? I have not seen, I don't think, almost any of the stuff this guy has made, which just, you know, more holes in my brain. I should go check these out. Yeah, Barbershop, Ride Along, Ride Along 2. But he also did Fantastic Four from 2005. Oh, boy. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. He did Shaft from in 2019, starring oh. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, cool. Uh, nice. And tons of music videos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, for, first time doing horror, though, I imagine, right? Yes, it seems like it is. Okay. Yeah, I think I've seen Barbershop and, and Shaq, uh, or sorry, Shaft, 
uh, but not the other ones. Um, yeah, no one says anything good about the Fantastic Four films, do they? No, they don't, but I'm, I'm still curious. I'd like to see them, see what the yeah. fuss is about. Yeah, I think one's got like Jessica Alba in it, so it could be fun to watch. Um, they made a sequel. couldn't have been that bad. Right, yeah. There must have been some kind of following. Uh, Dwayne Perkins, uh, he's co-writer here with Tracy Oliver. He's also in the film, and I think this film's based on a short that he wrote a few years ago. Um, I'd never heard of him before, but he's from Chicago. Seems like a prominent writer. He wrote for Brooklyn Nine-Nine-Nine, the Saved by the Bell reboot. He's one of the writers behind that as well. Uh, Are you familiar with him at all before this film? No, I was not. But yeah, I saw that about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think it's just two nines. Oh, it's just two nines? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, but I think he was in a comedy troupe called Three Pete. Uh, okay. Was and or is, and they did the the short that this is based on. I think it aired on Comedy Central. Oh, really? Cool. Back in like uh, well, just a few years ago, probably. Uh, the sh- yeah, I think twenty eighteen. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, otherwise, uh, there's some other star power here. You got Jay Farrow from SNL. Uh, kind of recognizable guy, Grace Byers from Empire, which is a huge show. Um, anyone else like, that you recognize part of the, part of the cast here? Uh, I didn't recognize many of the cast members, um, except for uh, one who is going to be in our Ohio connection. So maybe oh, okay. I'll save that one. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, and I think that there was a joke in the opening scene about like not spending the money to keep someone around for the entire movie. Yeah. Um, so that was between Jay Farrow and Yvonne, boy, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Orji. You're going to say Orji? Okay. It's, it looks like Orji, O-R-J-I, but I'm going yeah. I'm gonna say Orji. But I think she was in... Um, insecure? Yeah, Insecure. So I think that's, that's what she's prominent from. Because they each made a joke about, like, hey, they don't want to pay for us. So I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. she must be pretty famous. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, she, she must be a pretty well-known face. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I agree, like, the main cast here, uh, to, yeah, a lot of, for me, first time kind of seeing them. Um, and then uh, budget, pretty low budget film was $5 million, and uh, as we mentioned, it just opened this weekend. It's earned $7 million on its opening weekend. Um, boy, it must come out, like, third or fourth in the, I, I don't like the box office ranking, did you, for this weekend? Oh, yeah, I can't remember where it landed. I want to say about third. Yeah, because I think you had, like, uh, some Elemental film coming out, and there's some other big movie that dropped this weekend. I forgot what it's called. Um, But, yeah, uh, 86% Rotten Tomatoes and a pretty aligned audience score of 84%. Um, Any other background you have? Um, Not too much. You know, I didn't have enough time to dig into this but the music is done by Dexter Story and I couldn't help but wonder if there was some relation between him and Tim, Tim Story, Story. Um, he worked in the music department on 2001's Bones which is another oh. like black horror movie I feel like we should cover at some point cool. I think it's even yeah. a request okay nice uh, cinematography was done by Todd A. Dos Reis, who's been a DP for a lot of TV shows, including Suburgatory with my girl Jane Levy, uh, and did camera and electrical for a lot of 80s, 90s classics, Critters 2, Pet Cemetery 2, Hard Target oh, nice. with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot of background. It premiered at Toronto Film Festival in 2022, in September of 2022, which is why it is... 
annoyingly has the year 2022 behind it, even though it is coming to theaters in the middle of 2023. That is irking me more and more (laughs) as we do the show. It's it's breaking your spreadsheet. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's so annoying because like anyone who keeps track of the movies they watch is like, okay, I want to, whether you're on Letterboxd or keeping track of it in a spreadsheet, like I want to filter for movies that came out this year. You can't filter for just 2023 because then it cuts out movies like this. That right, it's so annoying and just seems so stupid to me. Like I agree. No offense, Canada, but just because a movie screened there for a few people, like it, it shouldn't, shouldn't have the year 2022 on it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Unless like it's widely like available, like either streaming for uh, an audience or like available to go to the theater and watch like yeah you shouldn't count that as a release then it should be widely available not not just yeah. a festival that that right. just seems unfair to me yeah yeah i agree i agree uh yeah that's that's fair um there was also some talk about uh i think some studio was trying to delay the release i don't know if it had to do with the name of the film uh did you read in, into any of that there was a a lawsuit essentially somebody who claimed that they had a script called oh man i can't remember the name of the script but that said like hey this this is kind of copying our script and we have a board game kind of based on this i think maybe the Mm. board game was mentioned in the script it sounded like it was a pretty weak case and the judge was like well a you don't have a legal basis and b like this was based off a short that was done before your script was ever made that has like the same concept like i think it was over the board game concept to prove like how black you are. Oh, I see. Yep, yep. Which is featured in the movie. Uh, right. So I think that was where the legal battle, that was what the legal battle was hinged upon, like that oh, okay. idea, like creation of that idea. But sure, uh, it sounded like the judge was basically like, no, there's no leg to stand on here. So Got it. Yep. Nothing was cool. held up. Got it. Okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I would have sucked for, for that to kind of stall. Oh, my God. Like if you miss Juneteenth weekend because of right. a, a frivolous lawsuit. Yeah, 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 I know. The timing of this film, uh, yeah, it's a pr- pretty genius. Like, Juneteenth plays a huge role in, in the film and, like, the content, and nice nice to come out on, on a weekend that's, uh, yeah, relevant. Yeah, and I mean, as a, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it, as a white person who, like, <laughs> needs to better educate myself about all these things and is like, what do I do to celebrate Juneteenth? Yeah. And there's probably better things I should be doing to celebrate Juneteenth, but I'm like, oh, I can go see the blackening. Yeah, I liked it too. It gave me like a good reason to look more into Juneteenth and uh, understand, and and some things that like were in the film that like I, I uh, that jumped out to me in the film, but I didn't realize necessarily were tied to Juneteenth. Like there are certain colors that you see throughout the film that actually, when you look at the, I think there's a specific flag for Juneteenth potentially or a color pattern, and and you, you see that in this film. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's uh, a, a lot of like cool uh, trivia you can pick up on just just watching this. Oh, nice man. Yeah, I didn't know that. But yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool way to learn about uh, a pretty important holiday. Sure. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, horror comedy, like we just talked about Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which I think we both liked a lot. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is obviously a gold standard. I feel like uh, we talked about doing a horror comedy um, episode, like top five or whatever. But do you feel like within horror comedy, there are all these like different genres for how you approach it? Like on one hand. You have the screams and stuff, which are scary, but also like really meta. And then you got like the dark comedies, like Tusk potentially. Then you have the more like straight comedies, like maybe Shaun of the Dead or Tucker versus Tucker and Dale. Like, I mean, how do you like differentiate all these uh, approaches to horror comedy? 
Yeah, it's funny. I feel like some can be differentiated by subgenre tags if you want to put them on there, like a meta comedy or spoof or. Uh, oh yeah, like the scary movies. Yeah, yeah, the spoofs, scary movies are the spoofs, and screams would mm-hmm. be the metas. But there's also very much a spectrum, kind of like you were mentioning, of scares, like the horror and the comedy. So, screams like closer to the horror end of a horror comedy. And Tucker and Dale's closer to the comedy end of a com- horror comedy. Yeah. Where is uh, that one movie you like about the zombies, Return of the Living Zombies? Return of the Living Dead? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'd call that right smack in the middle. <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> Not scary or funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. I walked right into that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's interesting. Because, uh, yeah, you could just have a, uh, a scary movie with like a lot of funny dialogue. Uh, you could just have uh, a movie that like makes fun of scary movies and yeah, kind of parodies it or spoofs it. Um, there, yeah, just I, I feel like all these movies are so different in in like how they're uh, kind of adding humor, the the humor element. And is there an optimal an optimal approach? Uh, I I kind of feel like like per, it comes down to personal taste. Like I'm sure you have like what type of comedy do you like in horror films? I, I'm up for any of it. I mean, that's like asking if there's an optimal movie. Like, uh, yeah, there's so many different flavors and types. I, I don't think I'm looking for anything specific when it comes to a horror comedy. I, I'm kind of, I just want the jokes to land. Essentially, <laughs> I think that's my biggest fear going into a horror comedy is that it's not going to be funny. Got I'm it. not yeah. worried about it not being scary because I watch enough scary movies. Yeah. That's uh, I feel like with that with most comedies. Like I tried to watch uh, this one over the weekend called Thunder Force with uh, Melissa McCarthy, and it was it was terrible. And like that's like the worst thing you could have with a comedy where it just doesn't land. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that, that's the tough thing about a comedy. It's like that's its bread and butter, and if it's it hits yeah. so different for, for different people, and it's it's a complicated. It's like an art and a science. It is. Yeah. And if you don't get it right, it's just you're done. I know, I know. And we've talked about like how hard it is to review some of these sometimes, too. Right, like, uh, yeah, to how convey. do you review what's so, funny? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So subjective. Uh, but I don't know, I, I feel like overall I, I do like still veer on the side of like movies that are like scary first and then like comedy kind of embedded in them versus, uh, I think when you start with, I feel like uh, Tucker versus, or Tucker and Dale versus Evil maybe was more comedy forward than horror. Uh, what, what do you think? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, we see. Interesting to see how this one kind of lands in that spectrum. Yeah. Uh, you got an Ohio connection for us? I do. Our Ohio connection is done as always by our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. It's a perfect time to swing by for some great food and drink drinks because they have a great patio. Uh, he connects every movie to our home state of Ohio for us, and he says. The Blackening is a comedy horror film directed by Tim Story based on the 2018 short film of the same name. The film follows an all-African-American group of friends who encounter a killer while staying at a cabin in the woods. It stars Grace Byers, Jermaine Fowler, Melvin Gregg, Dwayne Perkins, and longtime TV and film actor Diedrich Bader as Officer White in a supporting role. Bader's film credits include The Beverly Hillbillies, Office Space, Eurotrip, and Napoleon Dynamite. He has also appeared as a series regular in television sitcoms American Housewife, Outsourced, Better Things, Veep, and as delivery man Oswald Lee Harvey in the 90s sitcom The Drew Carey Show, set in Drew Carey's hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. Nice, nice. That's awesome. And, and that is who I recognized in the movie. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he was a surprise to see her. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like that guy. I do too, funny. man. I, he, I really enjoyed that show, Whose Line Is It Anyway, back in the day. Oh. He was on that? 
I think he was occasionally. Um, okay. I know his... Uh, Boy, the other guy who starred in Drew Carey was—he was more a regular. But I could have sworn yeah. Diedrich was on there sometimes too. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. That that crew ran together for a lot of things. Yeah, uh, yeah. That uh, Drew Carey show was like comedy gold too for for the '90s. It was. It was. Cleveland rocks. Great, great connection. Thanks, Alex. Uh, anything else, sir? Should we take a or should we dive into the plot? Let's do it. Let's dive. Okay. Hey, before we do though, I think I smell something outside. You mind if I uh, give you a call back? Better go check on it. Yep. Yeah, I'll take a look. All right, thanks. Hey, Brian, sorry about that. I'm back. Yeah, what Uh, was that smell? uh, You know, it it was kind of a funky smell. I was trying to place it. So I went out there and really put my nose in it and uh, realized I accidentally smelled some dick, which uh, is probably like the second or third time this weekend. Uh, so <laughs> I should probably figure out whose dick it is that I'm smelling. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's starting to get to like to a serious relationship level at this point. That was a surprising joke. I just it didn't occur to me that one might have a specific smell. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and you can accidentally smell it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> From like across the room. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, so th- this movie kicks off with uh, a couple, Morgan and Sean. Uh, they are hanging out at this cabin in the woods that they've rented out for this weekend reunion they're planning to host with their group of friends. Um, it's a 10-year reunion uh, to celebrate Juneteenth. Inside the house, uh, the two of them find a door with a sign on it that says Game Room. They go into this room and they find a board game on the table that's called the blackening and when they take off the cover it's got this kind of offensive black face as like the centerpiece and uh, a voice comes out of it that tells them to pick a card and play and it knows their names somehow so they pick up this card and the card asks them to name a black character in a slasher who survives and uh, they mention Jada Pinkett Smith from uh, Scream 2 which, spoiler alert, she doesn't actually make it past the opening, and we get that meta joke where he talked about where it's like, oh yeah, they couldn't afford the budget to have her be in more of the film. And they kind of like look at the camera really funny here. And then uh, they suddenly, the lights go out, and we see Sean get killed, and Morgan gets uh, pulled away. Uh, what were your thoughts on this opening? You know, I wondered if they kind of mentioned Jada Pinkett Smith as a bit of a, like, a teaser, because... There is a horror movie that she survives where you're kind of like, oh, phew, they got it right. But then yeah, they go on to that's say, that's where I thought they were going. Scream what, too. What movie uh, was that? That was the one with uh, Billy Zane, right? Uh, yes, but I don't necessarily want to spoil oh, that okay. she survives. Although, you know, I don't think it's that huge of a spoiler. Got it. So they had the right actress, just the wrong film. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I liked the opening, and I'll say right now, this film is. As a commentary on that Spectrum discussion before, it is 100% sincerely going for the comedy. Hmm. I don't feel like it's trying that hard to be scary, but I think it is actually kind of scary at some points. Like, there's there's some suspense, and hmm. I shouldn't say it's not trying hard, but that's not the bread and butter, but I think it actually does those sequences pretty well. Like, I thought this was kind of creepy once, once things go south and the lights turn out, and yeah. 
I agree. I agree. Like you get the whole like she's home alone. Uh, she's like nervous. She, she hears a noise like you're kind of uh, it is like the typical setup of like a character by themselves in a cabin in the woods. So they, they are trying to drive some of that. But you're right. Then it's like uh, it kind of leads into the comedy. There. But you, you're getting like a more so than like, a, I, th- I think, a Tucker and Dale. Right. Uh, where you've, you've got a character who's actually in, in danger and you're kind of scared for her. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And I, I thought it was decently funny, this opening scene. Um and I just kind of like that concept of like, oh, they're they're trapped and they've got to play this game. It's a bit of a trope at this point between things like Scream and Saw, but yeah, very Saw, Jigsaw. It, it worked. I, I thought it was kind of fun. How, how, what did you think of it? Uh, I I agree, man. I I liked uh, like the meta ness of the comedy, where like they look at the camera a little bit, and like uh, when they, when they talk about like having high profile actors that can be afforded for the whole film. I thought that was really funny, and, and like some of the jokes about like. Uh, um, oh yeah, like black characters in horror films, like kind of addressing that right off the way that like, yeah, they usually don't last too long. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, I liked the sus- suspense building, as you mentioned. Uh, and, I, and I think this is like kind of where, yeah, I think it was the scene where the color scheme, like you get a lot of like reds and greens uh, coming in with the door and then like uh, some of her outfit and some of the books in the room, which, yeah, today when I was like reading up on like uh, Juneteenth and some of like the, the colors associated with it, I, I think that's why these colors were kind of, featured like prominently throughout the film uh so cool cool to see that uh from a visual perspective i thought some of the effects were kind of lame though like the first uh and they do this later in the film too is when it's when the lights go out you as a viewer can still see what's happening but we have to believe that they can't see like anything uh which is i think kind of weird in the second one uh, her getting pulled away uh looked kind of like artificial but did those two jump out to you at all uh, her getting pulled away, it's a, a very typical horror movie shot. Like, someone gets Jags, pulled yeah. away, like, into infinity at a speed that feels <laughs> inhuman. But yeah. I think for the opening of a movie where you're not really sure what the threat is, it kind of fits. And a movie that's spoofing horror in a way. Ah, um, uh, good point. Or at yep. least providing commentary on it. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the whole darkness thing where... I think that's fine. I, I'd, I'd rather see. Like, Yeah. I'm cool with that. I I want to see the characters. I, I hate horror movies that are too dark. <laughs> when they're dark. I don't know. I, I, I think that's uh, that's cheating in a way because you, you want to feel how scared they are, which is like they're in pitch black and can't see anything and are going... Uh, yeah, you're, you're trying to like feel like the situation they're in, but you've got night vision or something. But I don't know. Uh, but yeah, g- glad it, it worked for you. Yeah. So then, I, I just oh, don't, ahead. I feel like you either go into night vision and it feels like a found footage horror movie or you don't sure. see them at all and then you, you lose some of the drama. Yeah, disorienting. I okay. mean, if it was a different type of movie, yeah, I'd want that, but, you know, it's Maybe a horror comedy. comedy. Yeah. Yeah, right. All right, so then we jump to the following day and we meet the rest of the friend group who are on their way to this reunion. The main characters here are Lisa Dwayne and Allison, they're traveling together in one car. Um, Lisa's ex-boyfriend, Namdi, and another guy named King. And then uh, their friend, Shanika. Shanika, we get introduced to her when she stops uh, at a convenience store and meets one of their old acquaintances, this dude named Clifton, uh, who claims he was invited to and on his way to the house. So she brings him with her. And uh, while they're at the convenience store, this gas station, uh, there is kind of like an unnerving interaction with the clerk who I think has like one eye. I thought that was kind of like a bad CGI job, though. Was it? Or was that real? One eye missing? Yeah. Did he have one eye missing? 
Um, I assumed they would do a makeup effects for that, but uh, okay. I'm not sure. I didn't. It didn't occur to me whether that was CGI or makeup effects. Okay. If okay. they went CGI just to make someone look like they're missing an eye, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah seems unnecessary yeah I, I would think so too okay yeah maybe it must have just been makeup then alright uh, we get some fun character building though as the group kind of settles in and comes together Clifton's obviously kind of this outlier uh, that no one's sure why he was invited um, there's also this tension between Namdi and the rest of the group because he used to date Lisa in back in college and I guess cheated on her a bunch of times um but and, and no one knows this, but secretly they're back together, um, even though like she claims they're just friends. But uh, at one point, like the two of them hook up, and the group smells the dick by accident and realizes that they're now back together and aren't like super supportive of it. What did you think of all of this character setup? I really liked it. I feel like we got to know who all the characters were in college and how their lives have changed now and whether they're better people or worse people or just different people or the same people. And it felt like a unique dynamic for a friend group. I feel like so often it's like a romance or a love triangle or something. And really the core relationship, I mean, there was a romance. It was all about the relationship between Namdi and Lisa, Lisa. but really the core relationship and the relationship that has the arc and the crisis is Dwayne and Lisa. And Dwayne mm-hmm. is just Lisa's friend who has supported her over the decades or decade maybe as Namdi has like broken her heart. And yeah, so yeah. he's pissed. And it, the crux of the drama is that it's hard for him and he feels betrayed. Not that there's any romantic thing. He's He's gay, but he feels betrayed by his best friend because he's, done so much to support her through somebody treating her like shit and now she's back with the person treating her like shit right felt like yeah. a cool uh an original thing to bring to a horror movie it's a little more complex than your average here's a group of kids who are about to be killed by a slasher yeah i agree i think that's one thing throughout this whole film is uh i'm like there's like eight or nine people here um but they each have like their own character um and personality and yeah, different dynamics going on between like, yeah, that love relationship, friends, uh, um, you know, making fun of the one guy who's like now married to like a white woman. Uh, like you get, yeah, you get a sense of all their personalities and like how they interact is like so different. So yeah, I, I feel like slashes can so many times just be uh, throwing a bunch of bodies into the mix for body count. But uh, I appreciated like this time we had to like flesh out all these characters and understand who they were. I thought that was kind of rare for oh, a slasher film. Yeah, and it's funny how little you have to do to just go that the extra distance to make them feel more fleshed out. Like so many right. slashers just like, oh, okay, they make it clear like this guy likes to drink, that's his thing. Like she's kinda the quote unquote bimbo, no offense. <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's her thing. And yeah. they just they're all these cardboard cutouts of like this is the type of person. And, you know, they don't go that much farther than that for some of these characters. But at least a little bit more to let you know, like, okay, King was like, kind of like, quote unquote, gangster, as they call him in college and like really hardcore. And now he's like softened up and he's married. And (laughs) so, yeah, just a little bit extra really helps. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really helps. And then as like events start happening, then like, yeah, you have like some foundation to kind of build off. 
their, right. their character on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like that part, and I think that's like one of the strengths of this film. Um, but yeah, while they're all hanging out, the lights go out, and as they look for the fuse box, they find this door to a game room, the similar one that Morgan and uh, Sean had found in the beginning. There they uncover the blackening game, and as they open it, the TV turns on, and they see on the television their friend Morgan uh, is tied to a chair and being tortured, and they hear they see this killer come who's wearing this mask that's kind of like blackface, and he tells them on the screen that they must play this game, otherwise uh, he's going to kill her. Um, so yeah, I think you mentioned like very like kind of jigsaw like saw vibes here, right? Yeah, and it also kind of reminds me of like Get Out and. I mean, obviously, and they, they even, like, reference Get Out and Ready or Not. Like, the oh, style yeah. of the board game, like, looks old-timey. And then when he appears on the TVs, there's this kind of, like, old-timey... Um, yeah, it's, like, uh, black and white like, and, like, the Yeah, the I don't know what you call that thing. I'm tempted to call it, like, a screensaver, but it's, like, what <laughs> yeah, you would see a when a channel, like, went off air. Right. Or, like, or was about to go off air. Just, like, their logo and, like, these... It was like a very specific style from like the 1940s or 50s. It was, yep. I like the design there. Yeah, yeah, pretty retro. Yeah, I like made it kind of creepy. It did. Yeah, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah. I, th- I think uh, yeah, the voice that's speaking through the game too is also sounding pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think surprisingly, like the horror elements are, are coming through. Uh, which yeah, I think when you go into this film, you're not no, you don't know how, like how much to expect, I guess. Right. Um. But they start pulling the cards and playing this game, and it ends up being like a lot of like kind of uh, trivia on like black history and pop culture, and they're doing really well for a while. Um, But then this question comes up asking them to name all the black characters on the show Friends, and uh, we get this funny bit where they're all like, oh, I never watched that show, but I know this one dude was in it. And the other one's like, oh, yeah, I never watched it. And and so I think they're like all hiding the fact that they watched the show, right? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't totally... (laughs) pick up on that like hearing you put it that way i'm like oh yeah that's totally what was happening they're like no i didn't watch it and then they're naming these extremely obscure characters that were in yeah, it for exactly. like one or two episodes of the yeah. like eight season friends exactly yeah and that was my interpretation of it is that they're all just like too embarrassed to admit that like they actually watch it yes yeah uh, and then, but, but then, yeah, the the killer is like, uh, actually, you're all wrong because they're they're able to name four, which I was surprised uh, by. Um, but then the killer is like, no, the right answer is like, you should you should no one should have like watched the show. So then on the TV screen, we see Morgan uh, start to have her hair pulled back. But fortunately, she's wearing a wig and she manages to escape the killer's grip and makes a run for the door. And the group realizes that she's actually in the basement of the place they're staying in. So. They run to that door and try to open it, but when they do, the killer pops out and attacks them with a harpoon. They stab the killer in the foot, and then some hijinks ensue, and uh, the group makes it back to the safety at, in the game room. Uh, a few of them have been harpooned. Which, would, would you, you think call is, that a harpoon, or would you call it a crossbow? Oh, I get What's hmm? What's it, it's what's like the a difference? A bow gun, a harpoon, like. Do you blow into it? <laughs> Is that the one? <laughs> That's what you're going to say, right? Those are blow darts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a harpoon I think of as like a boat, like <laughs> it's like for whaling, like you shoot one giant 
oh. arrow attached to a rope out of it. For fish hunting, uh, like a yeah, spear yeah. I see. attached to a rope. And it's not like you're reloading and firing arrows at people. Got it. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. So this is more of a crossbow then. Yeah, it may be technically a bow gun. I think there's maybe even a difference there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting uh, weapon choice, and I, I thought it was effective. What, what did you think? Yeah, yeah, I like it. I, I thought it was kind of unique, and um, yeah, it's good. It, uh, what, uh, your next did that too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, right. That was, that was it's a, a fun I, fun way to keep things stabby in a movie, but also makes it more scary because there's just like they could be anywhere, and like yeah. are we basically being aimed at right now? Right. Yeah, it's, it adds a lot of tension. It does, and it keeps the killer from having to like come in the room with like ten people and right have the viewer be like, "Why aren't they just like bum rushing him and kicking his ass?" <laughs> yeah, damn, that's a great weapon uh, of choice. So, yeah, I come to the top of my list. Yeah, much better than a harpoon. Yeah, yeah, those take a while to load up. And then you got to find a whale. <laughs> yeah, it. right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they managed to stab the killer in the foot, which uh, is important later. Um, but they make it back to this room. Some of them are have been, I think two of them have been stabbed. One accidentally stabbed herself when she was pulling the bow out of someone else, which is kind of funny and clumsy. Uh, so they, they uh, now get asked by the killer and through the game that like they need to select one person who's the blackest character in this group to sacrifice. So they argue about this for a while. And finally, Clifton who's trying to you know, say he's, he's uh, not uh, the blackest person, he t- admits to them that he's voted for Trump twice, and everyone's so offended by it by, that they decide that he, he's the one they want to sacrifice uh, and send him outside, and we see him on the video camera getting taken down by a bow. Uh, what did you think on like this action sequence in the house, the, the whole attack, um, the, the uh, suspense and the comedy balance? I think it's a really good balance. I, I think it's, I wouldn't call this movie scary, but it has tension and suspense, and it's a good balance, I think. So it I never like, stops being funny. It's never mm-hmm. quite, like, super urgent, but it's tense. I agree, man. Like, when they're edging up on that uh, basement door and, like, kind of, like, creeping it open, and it's, like, just black, and then, like, the killer comes out with that, that gun and starts shooting at them. Uh, that like yeah, I thought that was like a very suspenseful moment. Yeah, agreed. It looks pretty good. Agreed. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I agree. The the comedy and, and like the banter that's going on, uh, it like it continues to move while like some of these scary things are happening. Um, back at the oh, so now the killer tells them that they have three minutes, after which he's gonna unlock the doors to the house and they can either make a run for it or stay. The group's kind of divided here. And one of the groups is the line that like no one wanted them to say, which is we could all split up. So there's like this big groan, but what ends up happening is half the group makes a run for it and runs out of the house and out for help. And the others go to the basement to try to find Morgan. So the three who ran outside, they run into the killer who again shoots at them with this crossbow, but ultimately they're able to take the killer down. And when they unmask him, it turns out to be the clerk that we saw at the gas station that uh, Shanika had run into uh, with the one eye. But unfortunately, he doesn't have a stab in his foot, which uh, they had stabbed the killer's foot uh, in the last attack. So they realize that there must be multiple killers out there and uh, determine that they need to get back to the house to help the rest of the crew. Uh, what would you think of, of this attack and like this reveal that there are multiple killers? I thought that was cool. It was a nice twist. It was kind of something you maybe 
could infer or see coming, but... Uh, no way. You had a, a sense that there were, like, multiple killers? I had a little bit of, of a suspicion, um, but that's okay. I feel like other movies just similar to this. Like, I do feel like this was a little bit like your next. Um, okay. And that's Ready true. or Not. So, and those all had multiple killers, so... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but I, I think it's fun. I think it's a good plot twist, and actually the plot... Mm, Maybe it's a little generous to call it the plot, but basically, like the who done it is has enough twists and turns to keep you engaged in the movie. Sure, yeah. Uh, here, I think one thing that uh, we're revealed, which you're kind of wondering the whole time, like I think when they get to the cabin, there's like a police officer there, like the, the or the park ranger who's who's like this white. Uh, park ranger and he's like kind of menacing towards them and like somewhere to like get out you're wondering if it's like going to be uh like them in the woods being attacked by a bunch of like uh yeah people uh like white people potentially and so when you when you see this and you realize that you also realize that this person owns the house that they're staying in and it kind of like makes you go down the path of like okay yeah this kind of confirms this belief that you had this whole movie um so yeah it's not too shocking but i, I was still surprised that uh there were going to be multiple killers sure um but but you're right yeah when you mentioned those other films like that is kind of a, a trope at this point yeah yeah and the officer is diedrich bader um who was in the drew carey show and there's right. a a moment where he's like don't worry like i'm i'm cool or i'm one of the good guys or i can't remember what he says but yeah and then he goes on to say something like, if you invited me to a barbecue, <laughs> to I wouldn't go because <laughs> that's a black space. And if there's a white guy there, it's no longer a black space or something. Right. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And then yeah. I was like, oh, shit, this is me reviewing uh-huh. the blackening. <laughs> as I <laughs> sit here you in feel like theater. Diedrich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's uh, interesting film to, uh, like, yeah, us being in our perspective, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to review this. We both <laughs> yeah. just showed up to the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a couple of idiots. <laughs> Explaining it to people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so now uh, back at the house, the park ranger, yeah, men, had showed up and the group is trying to decide to trust him. And he says, like, yeah, he kind of reveals, like, he's, like, super PC and he, like, he wouldn't show up at a cookout. Um, but then another killer attacks and kills the park ranger. Um, Dwayne tells Lisa and, and Namdi to leave him behind and make a run for it. And they do, much to his disappointment. Uh, the two of them run back to the house and hide. Uh, Dwayne eventually catches up with them and is pissed at them that they abandoned him. Then the killer pops up and Dwayne throws up on him, which disorients the killer. And then Lisa manages to take him down pretty gruesomely with, I think, a candlestick. Is that right? Yeah, she does. They had mocked her for having a candlestick as a weapon before. But yeah, she annihilates his face, which is kind of what you're screaming at every white character to do in, in a horror movie for oh, yeah. the past few decades. Like, don't just bonk him and run out of the room. Like, Right, yeah, yeah. Take him down, smash his double face tap, up. Triple tap, triple tap. Yeah, I'm just always like... Boy, I hope like no one ever like comes into my house by accident and they actually don't mean any harm because I'm just gonna like <laughs> pound on their face with my foot. And I've seen too many horror movies. Yeah. Um, so that was a fun thing to see her go ahead and do that. Right. I uh, fuck. I wanted to say something back there. What did we just do in the plot? What, what was it about uh, Dwayne like getting split up and oh, then like upset? him puking. So they're up hiding in oh. this like vent or in the attic and there's like a vent, to, like a <laughs> slotted uh, vent there or whatever that's like the only way they can see him. 
and he's the killer shooting arrows up at him and then like he kind of says something earlier that makes him it makes it sound like he's gonna puke and he's on molly and stuff when he pukes on the killer that was hilarious to me that was yeah, like the funniest moment of the it was just really good comedic timing and editing yeah, uh, yeah it's, it was it worked yeah, he had mentioned earlier in the film that like when he gets scared or nervous or something, he, he throws up. Right. Uh, but like I'd totally forgotten about it, and then he, <laughs> he does it here, and it's like amazing timing. <laughs> really delivered it well. Yeah. That was good. Uh, and yeah, I liked some of the gore here, like where she had like guts in her hair and stuff after she uh, hit him, which I, don't, I, don't, I feel like for a slasher, we haven't seen too much gore yet in the film, which it was nice like to get some more of that in, in this kill. Yeah, and yeah, Dwayne was just kind of like, no thanks, like I'm, not, yeah. I'm staying away from you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gross stuff. You're disgusting. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they've killed this person and they unmask the killer, the second killer, and they find out it's the twin brother of the other person they killed. But they also find an envelope in this guy's pocket with $1,000 in it and all of their names written on it. And they realize that someone's hired these two people to kill the group. So there's still a mystery at foot here. Uh, the group members wander back into the basement in search of their friend. And down there, they find Clifton, who we saw, you know, get killed on camera earlier. Um, he's sitting at a table, looking dead, but he suddenly comes to life, and he holds the group hostage, and he reveals that he was the mastermind behind this whole uh, murder, murderous night. It turns out that the ten years ago, uh, ten years ago, when they had had this original party or whatever, and he had showed up, he had hung out with them, uh, but they had made fun of him for like not knowing how to play spades. And uh, I think Lisa had joked, like, we're going to take your black card away from you or something. And so he got so upset by this that he had drank that night for the first time. And on his way home, he accidentally hit and killed someone with his car. And he's spent some time in jail after that. So he's been pretty bitter. And he blames this group for, like, ruining his life. So he then asks Lisa now to pick the blackest person in the group for him to kill first. And she picks herself, which really frustrates him. Um, meanwhile, the two members of the party upstairs find this remote control that controls the lights in the house. And they click it and it puts, uh, brings, uh, it turns off all the lights. And then everyone's like thrown into this darkness. And Shanika manages to shoot Clifton. And he falls down a well and dies. Uh, what did you think of this reveal about like him and like this being his motive? Like, was it, did you see that coming? I did see that coming. I mean, I, I saw that it, he was probably the mastermind behind it all because he just was so out of place. And they yeah. mentioned a couple times, like, who invited him? And it just made no sense that he was there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it was kind of clear to me. But how about you? Did you see that I, coming? I felt the same. Like, yeah, he's, he's like a very suspicious character the whole film. And you know, like, he's not, like, a part of the court group. And, uh, yeah, the way he's kind of, like, nosied into this get together he's definitely out of place so i i was kind of surprised that they went with like the obvious choice but maybe that was uh, i don't know do you think that was like them being meta and being like obviously it's gonna be the person that you uh you, we made it look like it would be or something you know i'm not sure or there could be a theme in here that we can talk about as we get to yeah. the end of the movie sure sure well yeah so after he dies uh the movie ends with the group now wondering how they're gonna get the authorities and like call the cops without getting in trouble themselves which i think is hilarious because like every time you end a scary movie i always like wonder like oh i wonder how like they're gonna explain like especially supernatural films like how do you explain like all these dead people now sure right but you're like there's another level of it because like all the characters are like the main characters are black here and they're like debating whether they should call the cops or not 
So uh, I think Dwayne comes up with the idea to call the fire department. And uh, the last thing we see is like them getting blasted with the hose from the fire department, which <laughs> I thought was, was pretty funny. Uh, you enjoy that like last bit? Yeah, that was funny because they were kind of like cut into the credits as like final scenes. And it added yeah. to the comedic timing when you see them cut <laughs> back and the hose sprays them. The hose just blows them away. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so, yeah, what would you think of the film? What would you like? What didn't you like? I like the movie. I feel like we've been mostly complimentary so far, so I think I'll get into some things I didn't like. Clifton felt like such an exaggerated nerd stereotype that I found it very off-putting and hard to buy into. Like, I know it's a horror comedy and it's a little silly and outlandish, but that was just so over the top to me. And some of the laughs that the movie's aiming for are... A little bit higher brow. I know you have like someone puking on someone's face for a comedic <laughs> bit, but it just seems kind of lazier, like an SNL skit or something. When you got this exaggeration of a nerd, Clifton, yeah, yeah. And then at the same time, I know there are jokes in this movie that went over my head that are like embedded in black culture that I just don't get. I'm not privy to. And I couldn't help but wonder if Clifton's depiction as this nerd is like somehow based in a tradition of over-the-top black nerds like your mm. Steve Urkels Steve Urkel and your type, Carltons. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, and they even make a, a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. There's oh, one of the yeah. questions, Aunt right? Vivian. Like, yeah, which, right. yeah, dark-skinned Aunt Viv and light-skinned yeah. Aunt Viv. Like, when did they switch in the shows is one of the game questions. So right. I, I couldn't tell if, you know, hey, this is like a... a a reference that I'm just not gonna get, um, or if it was just a bad choice. So, mm-hmm. but that was a, a beef of mine. I just I couldn't really buy into that. But what did you think? I felt the same thing, man. Like I couldn't tell if it was the acting or how he was scripted, but it did feel like way and not unnecessarily over the top. Like his performance, because you have all the other characters who are hilarious too. But then, yeah, wh- why do you have to have uh, his character, who I think was like, uh, like I think. Um, yeah, he. I don't know how to describe his, his acting, but like, like he's de- deliberately like holding his mouth at a weird right. angle. He's got the glasses. It's just yep. and his voice it felt very is, forced. Yeah, it's just yep. yeah. It's and, just and like yeah, textbook. This is how you, if you're like putting on like a skit at your high school, like yeah, uh, what do you call it? Pep rally, and you're like, okay, he plays <laughs> the nerd. You put him in That's like baggy he, pants and suspenders, and yeah, like right. It's like that kind of performance. It is, but like I don't know, like because uh, it does bring to mind Urkel and Carlton. But even those guys, I feel like, are way more believable than like how ridiculous they made Clifton out to be, yeah. and, and like his performance. It just felt like so forced and over the top that it kind of pulled you out of it sometimes. And then especially when it's revealed, you know, when it's revealed, he's the mastermind behind it. At the end, I could like I appreciated him a little bit more um, in his delivery because I don't know if he like snapped out of it or he was putting on an act the whole time. But, uh, yeah, that, that part just was, like, hard to buy into for sure. Well, it also makes it so much easier to tell that he's going to be the mastermind behind <laughs> it because he's so out of place. And yeah. if they had just dialed that back and made him more subtly annoying or unlikable yep. or fish out of water, it would have just it would have made that ending play up better and, and had it be more of a surprise. It's just like, why, why did the movie do that? Right, yeah, yeah. Couldn't I figure agree. that out. Yep. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. Um, yeah, what, what about everyone's else acting? How, how did you feel about everyone else? Oh, I thought the rest of the acting was pretty good, and, and the comedic delivery was pretty good. Some of the jokes didn't land for me. 
Um, I think that was just the writing. Some of it felt forced. I know what we just talked about with Tucker and Dale was that like all the humor flowed naturally from like who the characters were and just the the whole comedic conceit of like, hey, one group has this information that the other group doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And this movie, it did some of that, and I thought it would go really hard on like the horror movie stereotypes and like, oh, you're a black character in a horror movie and hit those jokes so hard that it would become like not funny was... anymore. Yeah. I thought they actually, they good, did a good job of making those funny and they didn't, they didn't go over your head, like beat you over the head with it. I agree. But just yep. certain other jokes felt very like just forced into the script. Like here's, we're trying to get a laugh from you. I know it's a comedy, mm-hmm. but there were just some that was like, that felt like a reach. Oh, Did you ever sure, feel sure. like that? Uh, you know, I, I thought I would. And, like, that's usually my big hesitancy when it comes to comedies is, like, uh, yeah, anytime you're trying to make a two-hour film that's supposed to, like, continuously be funny, I feel like you're going to run out of material that's going to get very repetitive or, like, thematically old. But I felt like the whole time the setting was changing, the dyna- like, what they were experiencing was changing enough that, like, uh, I felt like the dialogue stayed pretty fresh and not, like too repetitive um but I, I i do feel like i probably miss a lot of jokes too and uh yeah i was trying to find like a copy of the script because I, I feel like there's a bunch of things that i probably missed out on but i hear what you're saying yeah i'm sure there was like a few jokes where it was like oh maybe we've already hit on that theme or that's already been like kind of talked about yeah i mean i don't think there were any that were bad because they had hardly they had hit them too hard there were just some that just felt like swings and misses to me but oh. to your point like it's moving fast enough the dynamic is changing enough that it's not like they like really give you a moment or like make a whole scene of it like okay mm-hmm. if you don't think this is funny you're <laughs> screw you for the next two minutes while they go down this bit yeah. Yeah, it's kind of moving fast enough and you're, if you don't like it it's like okay that joke wasn't funny but I'll wait till right. more jokes and I'll laugh again exactly uh, yeah. so yeah that was more of a minor beef and then a, a slightly bigger beef more just like a pet peeve similar to the Clifton character I did not like the aspect of the film where characters could understand each other's thoughts Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Like, at, at <laughs> first, it just seemed like a joke, like, okay, you know when you look at somebody, and that's a, you know, another that might be another, like, commentary, or, oh, like, a horror movie trope. But a lot of times, especially oh. in, like, a the final showdown, you have two characters look at each other, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you know they're both, they have a plan. And sometimes the plan's so complex, it's like, how did they get that from an exchange glance? <laughs> so I feel like this is a riff on that aspect of horror movies, yeah. or movies in general. But they do it two or three times, and it's like, okay, now they've exchanged so much information without, like, telepathically, and someone else is like, I can hear you guys. <laughs> yeah. It's, they're really going all in on this, and it takes the yeah. movie from being, like, outlandish to, like, a, a fantasy, like, uh, it just took it to a whole new level where I was like, I don't like this, and that I don't appreciate that it's happening at like crucial plot points. It's just, it almost, it feels weird to be like, I wish they had taken the movie more seriously because it's such a silly movie, but it's just like a, a next, a next level of silliness that I wish they hadn't gone to. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. That's, I, you know, yeah, it's, it's really weird because they probably do it three times. And like the first two times they do it, it, like the first time it obviously catches you by surprise, like, oh, this is a thing. And then you think it's just between two people, but like it happens again with like 
two others. And then, like, I kind of forgot about it. And then when they did it at the end, uh, that killed me when, like, the other person could hear them, like, talking to each other. Uh, I just thought it was, like, so absurd. It, like, it, like uh, it finally, like, landed for me. Like, because uh, other- otherwise it just felt like a really random, like, aspect of the film. But I-, I thought by bringing it back at the end and, like, having it be so ridiculous, like, maybe they tried to land it. And it, it worked for me a little bit. But, uh, oh, okay. yeah. You- yeah, you, you, you were kind of uh, tired. I, of that, I felt that a little. Strict. I guess I, I want to say I felt the opposite, but I just I wasn't wasn't on board with it from the first place. But I hear what yeah. you're saying. Like, okay, now it's just all out absurdist humor. Yeah. I feel like the comedy yeah. hadn't quite gone to absurdist yet, but it, right then it, yeah. then it totally did. Yeah, no. Throughout the film, it's like question mark. Like, wait, is this supposed? To, is this like it wasn't that funny, right? When they would do it, it was just kind of weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, those are those are good uh, points. Um, I think the other thing I would call out, oh, just it being a slasher. I mean, I, I know it's a comedy, but um, why not just like be gorier? Like, uh, like, is there any rule against that? Like, uh, if you're a horror comedy, you can't be like, you can't have like the same gore like a, a normal slasher would. Oh no, I mean, that? there's some. Shaun of the Dead is very gory. Tucker yeah. and Dale is pretty gory. Right. Yeah. Uh, would you have? Uh, I like. I feel like that. Would, I would have appreciated some more of that in in the film. Like some of the more slash elements there. It didn't bother me, but I, I certainly would have welcomed it. And I also believe that in a horror comedy, the gore can be another source of humor. Just oh yeah, kind of like how they were like not wanting to kiss her because she had like <laughs> stuff. And they could have <laughs> gone harder with that too. I mean, they could have really like caked up her face with right with guts or brain matter or whatever, and made it like truly disgusting. She just had a couple exactly. like flecks on her and in her hair it was just uh they could have gone harder with that i I all agree with you on that one yeah i'm not gonna deduct any stars for it but i agree with you yeah yeah i think that could have added a a different like a type of comedy to the film kind of like the the vomiting i think had some of that gross out element sure yeah Uh, you could have done some more of that yeah i think i think of it more as a missed opportunity than a detriment sure sure that makes any sense yep uh any other strengths to call out I yeah, I don't think I have any new ones to call out other than I think it's just a well-made movie, you know, as we've talked about with Tucker and Dale. The editing was really good. I think that's important in a comedy cuz you got to get that comedic timing right, and I yeah. think they did. Editing done by Peter S. Elliott who had worked with Story on a few things in the past and has worked on some big name stuff. Um and I think the the crux of it for me a, there were a lot of... I did get a good amount of chuckles in. Like, I wasn't cracking up. This is not the funniest movie I've ever seen. But I thought it was amusing. It, it, you know, I was smiling, if not laughing, frequently throughout the movie. Same. But those relationships that we talked about at the beginning, having these people feel real, like, I think is what really propelled the movie for me and kept my kept me engaged. I think they just, if they had whiffed that part, it really would have all fallen apart. Mm-hmm. I think they got that right. I think they got good actors, good performances, and well-written characters that really kind of sealed the deal for me enjoying this movie. And I agree. Th- as we mentioned yeah. before, it actually being kind of scary sometimes right. was, was fun, nice too. And yeah, a nice perk. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with all those trends. I think at the heart of this, like, this is great characters and, and really well driven from there. Um, and the humor, like, same. I, th- I think the whole time I was, like, kind of enjoying it and, like, yeah, well-paced, 
good jokes, good timing. Um, I think I, I really loved like the meta-ness of, of the film. Uh, like it kind of starts out with the idea of like, yeah, black characters generally don't survive these films and then kind of plays with that idea throughout the whole film. And like what, like even when they're like joking about, uh, why'd you guys split up? Uh, but, but like, doesn't Diedrich's, uh, is that his name, Diedrich? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, doesn't he make a joke about like, oh, I can't believe you guys all split up or something? Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're just it's kind of cool like how they made fun of uh, typical tropes in horror films. Uh, pr- pretty smart how they did that. Even uh, the the killers like in the mask that they wore of like a blackface and like the 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 game aspect of it, I, I thought was really cool with the questions. Um, one thing uh, thematically that like we didn't really get into too much, mm, like right. uh, I really. Yeah, I thought the movie had something like really interesting to say just about the idea of, um, yeah, like uh, being a black person um, and like, yeah, how, you know, like throughout the game, throughout the movie, the questions like who's the blackest character and like just the different ways that that's being defined by the characters. And it's like this constant question they're up against is the motivation behind the main killer. I, I thought that isn't something that I've uh, come across too often in a horror film. But uh, what would you think of some of the themes that went throughout the film? Yeah, and I think that ties into kind of the theme with Clifton being the killer is, and, and you know, take this with a grain of salt, everybody, white guy who watched this movie, but it felt like it was the theme was a little bit of like, hey, like, don't, in, there shouldn't be like infighting among the black community on blackness. Like, right. obviously, right. In, you know, argue about any other thing you want, but like, yeah. If you're arguing yourself about race like within the black community, like you're not fighting the fight that needs to be fought and mm-hmm. even just saying throwaway things like to Clifton, you know, we revoke your black card or something can be really yeah. damaging. It's kind right. of the theme I took away and then there's dark skin ant viv question and light skin ant qu- ant viv question. Yep. There's, I think, like, uh, is it Allison who, like, they make fun of because, like, I think she's only, uh, she, she has, like, a white dad, maybe. Right. Or, like, she's yep. only half. They're, uh, they're making fun of the one guy who's married now to a white woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, like, yeah, they talk about, like, Namdi actually being from, being Africa. from Africa. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like that's a point, like, a theme that's, like, touched on and is, like, the driver of, like, the conflict of this film sometimes. So, uh, and, and, you know, I, I, it's interesting because I, I think even in Asian culture, like, as, as an Indian, too, like, uh, I think that's something a lot of minorities deal with is, like, how, uh, yeah, how close they identify to their, like, culture that people assume you are versus, like, where you're brought up and stuff. So, uh, cool, cool to see that represented in this film. I, I think that's something new that, like, uh, I'm not sure if, like, uh, a lot of other films have covered that. Yeah, yeah. Me neither. And then that's, uh, I mean, I think that we're starting to see that more. Like, as we get a bit more representation on screen. Yeah. I think we start to see that a bit more in, like, some of these, like, comedies, like, um, Crazy Rich Asians. Like, I feel like that brought in an era of, like, Asians being depicted more on screen in, like, mainstream comedies. I, I like to think, like, black characters are becoming, like, primary characters in mainstream comedies as well slowly yeah yeah it's still (laughs) so slow and i honestly feel like we moved backwards i feel like i feel like the 90s at least my childhood in the 90s the people i was seeing on screen were more diverse than the people i see on screen now in my mind i know man yeah i think about that a lot uh yeah the things you like binge watch now on like netflix or whatever it's usually like such a specific audience versus in the 90s like yeah the things you watched on tv were just like way more diverse yeah and and, you know maybe i'm out of touch but like as a kid i was watching like 
Family Matters and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Martin and the Wayans Brothers. And I'm not trying to be like, hey, everybody, I was watching these black shows. But I think, like, everybody was watching these shows. They were big, popular shows. And I just can't help but wonder, and maybe I'm just ignorant of what young people are watching now. I just can't help but wonder if, like, young people are seeing, like, all these shows with, like, an all-black cast and just watching them like any other show. I mean, maybe they are. Hopefully they are. But right. all that to say, I felt like we moved back. We definitely moved backwards between 2000 and 2010. I really think oh, yeah. a lot of evidence <laughs> to say suddenly that became a pretty racist time and we lost track. We lost some yeah. of the progress we made in the 90s. <laughs> but, <laughs> the decade of regression, thanks yeah. to like TRL and stuff. Yeah, I, mean, I blame it all on Carson Daly. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a bunch of it, I think, could be blamed on like Nine, post nine eleven sentiment. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, that idea of like the American identity and and what it means. Yeah, and seeing that translated in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, but I also think it's like good for white people to see these things about these are conversations that happen within Asian communities, within Black communities, like right. We're yeah, exactly. Over yeah. sitting over here with our thumbs up our asses. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, the the more that can be done to promote these uh, dialogues, uh, are good. And I, I think this film's like a it did a really great job. But do you feel like it was catering uh, too much to one audience, or do you feel like this is a film that's like going to be appreciated by like multiple groups? I'm sure there are people. I'm sure. I think there are jokes that are. There were a couple things I'm like, I can tell that was a joke, but I do not <laughs> get, I don't get the joke. Sure. So, I mean, I'm sure that the humor is more rich for black moviegoers, but I think this is a movie anybody could go to and not feel yeah. like they they don't get it. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I think it has something for, for everyone. And yeah, some, some really universal themes that uh, I think really cool to see on yeah. screen here. Boy, um... Two instances where I get really sweaty is when we eat spicy wings on camera and when we <laughs> discuss race at length in these episodes. Yeah, those are Brian's two things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it basically <laughs> looks like I did for our Patreon members. <laughs> wings 7 through 10 is basically my appearance right now. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, these are hard things to talk about, but I, I'm glad. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping there's more of it uh, happening in, in Hollywood because it's just crazy. Yeah, you, you go so long without... Uh, I don't know. Like you get the Jordan Peele film like once every like two or three years that like people will flock to. But outside of that, like how often are we seeing a, a horror film that has like a all black cast or like an all minority cast? It's just like so rare. And it really bums me out that you've got some of the most prominent uh, horror directors like M. Night Shyamalan, James Wan and stuff like that. These are people, minorities and uh, I, don't, I don't feel like they bring, uh, you know, that, that kind of cast along with them too often, which is, is a miss. That's very know. true. Yeah. 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 It's it's kind of sad. Or even like we had that great documentary horror noir a few years ago. I want to say that came out in about 2019. Mm. And it you can watch that and you can get a good list of like, oh, here's like black horror movies I I can see. The list is not as long as oh, as you want it to be or as you wish it could be and as it should yeah. be now. Like Yeah. Uh yeah. I, I, I hope we're getting there, but yeah, I think Hollywood's like slowly getting it. Like you're starting to see some of it with, on like the action side, and like some of the Marvel films are doing it. Um, so yeah, I think it's just like a very slow needle that's moving. Yeah, um, they're like realizing there are these audiences that like they haven't been speaking to. 
Right, and yeah, not only audiences that they haven't been speaking to, but like other people will go see it too. Like, right, yeah. If it's in a genre that, especially something like horror, it's just like, how many people are there that are going to watch like any horror movie that comes out in the theaters? Maybe it's not a ton, but right, there, yeah, your horror loyalist. It's a chunk, yeah. Yep, yep. Cool. All right. uh, Anything else? Should we jump to the rating? Let's jump to the rating. I got I got to okay. towel off this sweat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to cool down for me before you blast this film. Uh, how many uh, guts in someone's? All right, well, what, I don't know what kind of body body parts those were. Um, what was in her hair? Like just like I think it of, was brain. Oh yeah, how, how how many brains in your hair would you give this? I give this three point five brains in my hair or in my lack of hair. Even though not all the jokes land, the humor that flowed naturally from the fleshed-out characters, combined with some genuinely tense horror sequences, made for an entertaining night at the movies. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, I had three and a half originally when I came out of it, but like upon thinking about it and dwelling on like some of the themes, which I feel like uh, the movie kind of went out of its way, actually, it, like naturally, like embedded into its plot and into the dialogue. Uh, I feel like it elevated this up a little bit more. So I landed it at four. Uh, brains in in someone's hair because uh, yeah to your point I, I think humor strong characters really drive this film um, there's uh, a meta ness to it there's a, a fun like scare factor uh, for, which I think is rare to find in a horror comedy like usually it's like pretty by the book and you're just laughing so nice to have that and then I think yeah the themes were like pretty powerful uh, and pretty relatable and uh, it went like a little bit beyond like where it needed to be just as as like a standard horror comedy slasher and did something extra on a few levels. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad you went up to four. I almost, I was like, my ratings note says three or three and a half. I feel like it's like a three point two five for me. I no, just sure. wanted it to be a bit more funny. Yeah. But uh, or at least for me to find it a bit more funny. <laughs> I wish I understood more of the jokes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I I feel like I missed out on a bunch of them too. But uh, yeah. I fortunately there was like a crowd in the theater that laughed a lot of times, which is usually oh, how so I you could do the fa- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah fake <laughs> laugh when you too, needed guys. to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, anything else? That's it, man. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up our discussion on The Blackening. If you enjoyed our discussion, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Othville Podcast. That's going to help other people find our show. And if you want to join our discussion, you can find some social links on horrormovieclub.com or send us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to announce next week's movie on Facebook and Instagram in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord, where you can find us and other fans of the genre talking about horror you can find the link to that on our website our logo is by amy may pop art so you can check her out on etsy.com and until next time if you are at an airbnb or a cabin in the woods somewhere that you've rented and you find a room with a board game that you've never heard of before uh maybe just walk away and spend the night watching netflix or something don't not, not a great time to explore uh new board games That sounds fair.